Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of American Groove, baby. Uh, Lost in the Groove segment with me, Dave, your host, and our other host. Your other host, Carissa. Yay! <laughs> uh, today is a really special episode because we pay homage to a pioneer in gay activism, gay rights, gay re- liberation, uh, not just gay liberation, but liberation for the entire queer community. Uh, Harvey Milk. Incredible story. Uh, for me, it's consisted of being up until one o'clock in the morning, watching movies, reading books. And um, yeah, I uh, need need some sleep. <laughs> I definitely need some sleep. I, ha- I too have been living in a Harvey Milk world um, ever since David brought up Harvey Milk's name. Um, I, yeah, I just can't stop thinking about it, especially today. Um, I I guess I didn't know who Harvey Milk was. David told me about Harvey Milk. Um, David, how did you learn about Harvey Milk? What brought him onto your radar? Because this happened far before I was born, you know? So, um, Harvey Milk. Hey, welcome. Hi. Uh, we're doing a live on Instagram <laughs> for anyone uh, that's listening to this podcast. Probably doesn't make any difference because, you know, you're watching this on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but to our people on Instagram, it's a little different. Anyway, I'm um, going off tangent. So, with Harvey, with Harvey Milk, for me, was just learning about the community and what it was, you know, for, for somebody like me that that grew up in an ultra orthodox community, oh and, yeah, you know I was kind of segregated from all types of queer community and 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 those kind of people and I mean there were people that were right next to me but I didn't know because they were closeted themselves. Um, I started looking at history because that's what I did. I used to read a lot, and um, I actually found out about Harvey Milk through the the uh, the rainbow flag it turns out that uh he wasn't the one that made it uh gilbert baker was one that designed uh designed the lgbtq flag but he actually worked together with harvey milk and that's actually how i discovered uh a few years ago about harvey milk and then i like delved into the story this past you know week or so for the podcast and uh my stone brain Yes. No, yeah. I mean, I just wondered how you heard about Harvey Milk because I heard about him through you. But I mean, like, just like real rough, like at the beginning, like somebody was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about Harvey Milk. He's uh, that politician that got shot. And, you know, like you hear that and it's like, mm, that doesn't sound very interesting. But <laughs> like, honestly, it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, I mean, the one thing that he did right before he died was that he he got this prop like put in where people wouldn't get fired um for revealing that they're gay. Well, um, they, people well, was it, it was a prop? Prop six. Prop six. Yeah. It was, and this was San Francisco. And to me, that's what caught my attention. I was like, holy shit, like that's a really big deal. Um, I mean, but that that to me that I'm just like kind of given this like broad very beginning of the podcast why you should care who harvey milk is and i think that's the first reason but here's the thing also like we were talking about this over the phone 
no disrespect to the man. He is a gay activist and we give him a lot of credit. But in all honesty, he is just. He was just a white, you know, he was just an ace typical white Jewish man. The only thing that made him significant was the fact that he was gay. And whether that be that is the that is the truth. But it's not the whole truth. It doesn't tell his whole story. He didn't use white privilege to his advantage. He used white privilege to his disadvantage. I mean, the man is dead for a reason. You know what yeah, I mean? He got shot. I feel like from what I saw and from what I know, it, it seemed kind of natural for him to get into politics. I think that he cared a lot about that that area of the city and he was involved with those people. He had this camera shop. So he was running a business, you know, and if you're running a business in the 70s, I, I would think you, you know, you care about the politics of your business. Um, you know, you you care about the, the rules of your city because you're running a business there is what I'm trying to say. So it does seem like he also, you know, he was a gay activist and he'd been an activist for a long time. There were a lot of different things that he had been involved in. Yeah, but, um, his life. it's. I, it seemed natural, like he really just had those interests and he really just followed his interests, which was to stand up for for gay people that were oppressed. Um, I mean, the, the level of oppression is hard to watch. I to see people talk about, you know, like you've got to come out. You know, and like the the these these conversations that I saw, you know, and and to see these people so closeted, it it is eye opening. I sometimes forget how bad it was back then, um, but yeah. something needed to be done. And especially in a city of San Francisco, these are the people that are paying the taxes. These are the people that are voting. You know, and and so it's like you need to listen to those people. Those are the citizens of your city. You know, so I, it's to me, it seems like it was natural for him and that it, it was just something that he cared about and he just went ahead and did it. You know, it's cool um, to me. I love that a regular guy could get involved, you know, just like a regular citizen. I think that's great. Well, the, the story about Harvey Milk starts off with his grandfather. Uh, to anyone that's listening, Harvey Milk uh, was from Lithuanian descent. His grandfather came here originally um, in the late 1800s. And just like many Jewish immigrants, just like my family, my mom is the same thing. My, my mother is Hungarian and Polish descent. Her family came in the late 1800s through Ellis Island, like many, 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 many Jews did at the time. You know, that that's how it was. You came to America to to the promised land, you know, the land that the, the land of freedom. And um, there was a there was a pattern from the very beginning where his grandfather had a son, and his son was this rebellious, cocky, you know, anti just everything. And there was this repetitive pattern, and you could see this once Harvey was alive and throughout his life. He had a lot of abuse, not a trauma, and he tried to constantly be a father, a fatherly figure 
to the young people around him. And that may seem as a negative, but in many ways it was a positive because he was able to relate to the younger generation. So important is the younger generation because they are our replacements, whether we want to hear it or not. We're going to die. And then these kids, they're going to replace us. They're going to be the next people after us. Um, this is the importance of, of talking about Harvey Milk. It's not about what happened in 1978. It's what we can learn and what we've adapted into the black community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community, the queer community, many communities throughout this country. And how to be progressive with our thoughts. Let's think about, yeah, it is. Let's think about the kids. What can we do for the next generation? Sorry, that was a long tangent. Sorry. <laughs> it's a good tangent. Um, what can we do for the next generation? I, I do. I think that it's absolutely incredible how much Harvey did within the time that he actually had. Um, and I love that well, I love that the work that he did, you know, was still huge, regardless of if he died or not. That was still a really big thing, you know, like it's like he didn't have to die for everybody to for everybody to realize that, you know, this segregation was wrong. Matter of fact, no actual like rights for the people were gained out of his death it wasn't like anybody opened their eyes and were like oh man we should have done this yeah the the way that the response to his death was well we'll we'll talk about that at the end um but i from just the very from the very beginning and one thing um which i can i could personally relate to is growing up in a masculine world okay i yeah. grew up in separate schools. I grew up where there was only boys in my school, uh, which was called yeshiva. And you had, you had girls that went to their own separate schools. And because he was growing up in a world that was very dominant by men and homosexuality was not okay in the 1950s by any means. Okay. There were witch hunt. Yeah. There were gay witch hunts in the 1950s. You don't believe me? Go on Google right now. It is freaky and that happened yeah. here in major cities oh, i'm trying to like fix my camera it <laughs> did um i mean when i was a kid i i remember i mean the brutality amongst homosexual people was widely known and the reason that people didn't come out was because people were abused and murdered and killed people were drug behind trucks for being gay like seriously it was insane the and, and this was like i mean this is like early 90s you know so like imagine like you're it's not only that you don't you don't want to get um alienated amongst your people but you're like literally afraid that people will kill you because you're gay and that's just yeah. the people that you know, like not like authorities or anything like that. Like seriously, just like people at your high school or something like that, like might just kill you. Like that's terrible. So, okay. <laughs> well, uh, this is our producer. Her name's Twix. Come here, baby. <laughs> Wait, I, I hate how close my camera is to me. Like the, the, I, the, the computer camera is fine, but this, 
Instagram camera is harsh. Hey, you know something? It, it's got a good it's got a good vibe to it. Let's just keep it going. Like I think everybody's okay with this. I'm not the only one. It's that, my first like, time. I'm like, oh god, look how far away your camera is. You see you how great? Okay, okay, first distance. of all, do you understand how much pressure it is on me? Okay, that I I'm doing this like recording this. We got people that's watching us all right and i'm talking about like this guy that i've spent way too many hours watching me about like way and like, like come on we know those feelings we know we spend too much time on movies but we do we have people listening to us right now i wonder if they've learned anything about harvey milk so far maybe they already know you Ooh. know yeah maybe there's it's some things cool. that we didn't know about harvey milk um but <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of where you have the double-edged sword because you have in the 1950s where people have to be so closeted because of the KKK because of the amount of church over country that existed and think about being a Jew after World War II after the Holocaust after Nazi Germany and you're living in this country after the war. And you're a homosexual. You know, I'm going to take it a step further. Let's just say you're a black person, okay? And you're alive then, and you see Jim Crow. You see segregation. You maybe were alive to see what happened in, in Tulsa. Maybe you were alive enough in the 1920s, remember? If you were someone that remembers all that shit, and you were alive in the 1950s, and you're gay, just imagine the amount of pressure that is on you. Your life could be gone in an instant split second yeah it's so just very, understand, very dangerous yeah so just like understanding harvey harvey's background as to where he came from he grew up because i mean he died in his 40s but he grew up in this period of history that was so so dangerous for so many groups of people, not just homosexuals, blacks, Asians, are you kidding me? It was fucking horrible in this country if you're Asian in the 1950s. Well, I I read the or this this guy said, you know, back in that time, you had just a few options. Um, you know, like if you were gay, it was either, you know, closet, closet it, never say anything. Uh, tell your parents get kicked out or you know now with harvey milk the option was move to san francisco <laughs> and so, so it was it like is, oh like but, but it's I, important. I don't have to die i don't have to pretend that i'm someone else like it's important though because i don't know if you you know this uh harvey he was we like to say it's called a knocker okay a knocker is someone that like he liked to to dig into everything and kind of tell you what was wrong with it. This is what he did throughout his teenage years. I am I've done this shit all the time, you know, telling something, oh yeah, like I know better than you. Like you're you're what you're doing is wrong. I'm like, and you're like, you look at this guy and you're like, he's fucking 15. Get the fuck out of here. Like, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, it's just again, like you can see from a development stage this man become to what he is because you have to understand something for somebody 
to want to do something and it, for somebody to want to do something that what Harvey did, it starts from the very beginning. Like what was his childhood like? You know, what was he like in school? Those are the questions you always want to know. It's like, who was this person? Mm-hmm. And he became that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to say that like, he was always pretty outspoken. Yeah. It's a New Yorker yeah. thing. We have chutzpah. That's the thing about us in New Yorkers. We have a lot of chutzpah. 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 Um, I'm going to light my first joint of the day. Ooh. I will yeah. I, I will say this. I'm going to throw some Yiddish words. So anybody doesn't know what the Yiddish word, and I don't want to give an explanation, please let me know. Um. Well, I don't know Yiddish words, so you just have to explain them all. Uh, yeah, of course I'm going to explain all of them. But, okay, so this is a fun fact that, that I didn't say earlier, which I should have. Milk, which is his last name, uh, actually in Yiddish is Milich. And the reason why their last name is Milich, a lot of uh, Jews from Europe, their last names was what they did. So I grew up in schools with people that were Goldsmith, Rosenberg, Bloombaum, all those things. And it all was to symbolize what the family like did. What does a Rosenberg do? Uh... Roseburg is Rose Mountains. So usually that meant that they uh, they work with flowers. Yeah. Okay, so I, sorry. Yeah, I know. It's like so random. Sorry, it's completely random. No, 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 no. It makes sense. But um, yeah, I mean, that's like. Okay, so what do you think his family used to do? They were dairy farmers. That's actually where the. Yeah, that's his grandfather was a dairy farmer. He came to this country, he failed as a farmer. He went into retail. Um, he had a department store, mm. which it, it happened. The thing that you have to understand something is, is that um, my family is is no stranger to this because you know my mother was born in the fifties late fifties, my grand, my grandfather, God bless his soul. He's still alive. He was born in 1932 and hearing his generation, which was, which was, um, Harvey's, my, my grandfather and him would have been about the same age. You can understand. And this is the important thing about stories, especially about the gay community and, and, and activism and, and the start of a new revolution revolution in history. You can learn a lot from the people that are a part of this movement and why they have such a drive for the future generations because of what they went through. They don't want anybody to experience that ever again, right? Well, it's just like wrong. I feel like yeah, for Harvey... He's like in a political, well, he he's in a job position where he's allowed to be openly gay. So like as a politician, wouldn't it only be right to make sure that your citizens have the same rights as you? Yeah, but you know something, his road to politician was a very long road, you know, throughout the um, throughout the 1960s, he uh he he started exploring and he traveled a lot like he moved from city to city like he went from new york to dallas and then he would go to miami 
And by the age of 14, he already knew he was gay. And at a young age, his mother, uh, which her name is Minnie. Okay, so get this. My stone brain is like Minnie Milk. Get it? Minnie Milk. Minnie, Minnie, Minnie Milk. Okay, so any, uh, any Austin Power fans... The mini, you know, like the mini me. I'm, I'm fucking butchering the shit out of this. It's the mini me, but it's mini milk. Anyway. Her name is Minnie. Yeah, her name was Minnie. Um, and he would love to go to the opera in the city. So we never said this before. And sorry for this. Uh, Harvey grew up in Long Island. He grew up in Woodmere. Uh, and he at a young age, he kind of resented the religion. He kind of resented the faith. And like I said, by the age of 14, he kind of knew he was gay and he was kind of figuring himself and he was keeping it very closeted and he loved the theater. He fucking loved the theater. And he begged his mother for money to let him go into the city, which is anybody that's from New York knows Long Island to the city. It's, it's a long, it's a long, it's a long way. It's like over an hour. Um, And his mother gave him money and he would go. Did you also love going to the city? I love the escape. Me too. <laughs> I, you see, like the thing I, I can under, I can relate to somebody that grew up in a closed community that is part of the queer community and knows the experience of leaving that and going to a different city that no one knows you and you could Same. just be yourself. I know that feeling so well. Um. Mm. But with Harvey, it was all about him. In a way, he was always open. He just had the privilege to keeping it quiet. Well, he must have felt safe, you know, because I was talking about like how, how like, you know, unsafe and, and how dangerous it could be to be open. I feel like with that community around him you know he he felt safer you know i mean god look at what happened to him you know so he wasn't safe you know um Lee, um but yeah it, ta it takes a level of community and safety you know and a community to help you feel safe enough to be you know openly gay and what there were many times that harvey said you know, I, I could get shot for what I'm doing. It's quite possible. And people would say, well, aren't you worried? And he'd say, what? You know, I'm going to live each day like I might die. He's like, I can't do that. We can't live that way. You know, it's funny. You know? A lot of a lot of people that like are like celebrities. David Bowie was the same way. David Bowie knew he was going to he was going to die of cancer. And um he made another album like through all the shit like he just he's like so what like i know i'm gonna die you just gotta keep you just gotta keep on going at it and that was a beautiful thing and that, that's the amazing thing about about a lot of these and I, I really hope we can cover some more of them because there's a lot of great early gay activists fucking amazing people just like harvey unfortunately a lot of them are not alive anymore um but they just had such a drive. They had such a passion and belief for their for the community. And it wasn't about gays. It wasn't about straights. It wasn't about blacks. It wasn't about Asians. It wasn't about Hispanics. It was just about saying, hey, you want to make sure that 
that you're safe. I want to make sure we're safe, right? Like we have the same values. Like in the in a way, we both want the same thing. Mm. You just can't look past hmm. the curtain. Yeah, dude. There was this one part where I saw Harvey like make a speech, and he was talking about because of course when he started saying that people shouldn't get fired for being gay everybody started talking about education and it was one of the first things that i thought about too was like people are going to make a big deal out of gay teachers i know they are because they're weird about kids and this was back in 1978 you know and not that gay people are weird about kids i know you looked at me weird i said straight people are weird about kids and gay people like not all straight people obviously but especially back in 1978 they're real weird about gay people around children. And it's like Harvey gave I this wish, speech. I wish I had a gay teacher because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know a gay teacher and he is. Oh, my God. He's fucking amazing. I had gay teachers. OK, <sighs> let me say this before I get off track. He yeah, said, I know. sorry, he goes, oh, so what's your argument? And he said this in front of an entire crowd of people on national television. I don't know if it's national, but it was like California or whatever. But he goes, OK, so you're trying to say that a kid being raised or being taught by gay people will make them gay, you know? And, and the woman was like, yes, it's an influence, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, so I was raised by straight people. And had all straight teachers, and I am gay. Your logic does not make any sense. <laughs> like, I was just like, yes. Like, when do you ever see a politician, like, argue in such, like, a straightforward, honest, matter-of-fact way that's very personal, you know? Because it's hard is, to argue with him because it's the truth. So anyone that's listening to this, and here's the truth. The only politicians that will ever be there for their people, and I'm, this is not my own personal opinion, but I feel like this is the dead truth. The only type of politicians are the ones that come from your community. Somebody that can represent you. Somebody you can look up to and say, you know what, I'm, I'm okay with him being governor. He can represent me. Yeah, he grew up, you know, he grew up here, you know, he know he knows what the life is. That, in a way, was what Harvey Milk was. He was a hippie that had a ponytail, weird war jeans. It's kind of creepy, okay? Hung around a lot of young kids. But, like, not in a weird way. Like, he just, <laughs> he loved the youth. He just loved, well, he was the kind of yeah. I mean, like, guy, like, I was, I was, like, reading about this. He was the kind of guy that, like, you sat with him and you knew you had 100% of his attention. Me, it's like 32%, maybe, maybe 21 but him was a hundred percent. Whoa, that's fast. Yeah, <laughs> for me it was like I learned about Harvey, and then also learned that he was assassinated, and and learned how poorly our government or our judicial system handled his assassination. All of this, I was just like, we'll go into that. I know we I'm don't sorry. have to go there, but we're, I just want to say like yeah. the whole story, just like it was like I fell in love with somebody and then they died like all in a matter of a week. Like I was like, oh, 
<laughs> like that, yeah that's how oh my I god feel. this person yeah. is so awesome and then now they're gone and like i could feel that devastation like when i watched the interviews with people and stuff like that like it was like you know that's the thing is he had this excitement going um everybody was really excited you know and and things are moving and things are changing and and he wasn't going to stop it you know like he he was going to continue to make changes like it was so just going to keep just, changing just, just for any of our listeners that are punk rockers okay and love punk if you've ever heard of a band called dead kennedys which they're from san francisco they were a part of the harvey milk movement okay they loved harvey milk just like all the punkers and the reason why was like it was a way of them having freedom it's like finally for people to just be who they are and allow themselves to be what they are and it's kind of actually cool. I didn't know this. One of their albums, I forgot which one it was, uh, and we'll talk about this later in the episode, was the White Knight Riots, which happened after the trials, which if you see videos of this shit, it's like one of the worst, I think like it's considered like one of the worst gay riots that happened. It was bad. It was very bad. Which specific one are you talking about? We'll get into it later. I'm sorry. I keep doing sneak peeks. I don't know why. Well, just, because we know the whole story and maybe do. like other people do too, but. Yeah. But we got to like. Uh, yeah. I mean, what happened is that, you know, the whole city was excited about these changes. And, you know, even the straight people, like we all, you know, me, straight ish. I can relate with both sides. We all love to see our gay friends happy. We love to see our friends keep their jobs. We love to see, you know, our friends be, you know, happy. Like, we don't want anybody feeling uh, oppressed, honestly. Like, I, everybody was excited. And then there was this just bolt of, of disappointment. Like, it so just, it just put this bam this big wedge and everything you know so, you know to be so to start the story um he basically had a partner at the time his name was scott and uh they, they didn't last for they, they lasted for a long time and they broke off came back broke off but he stuck with harvey to the better to the bitter end in 1972 he and scott moved to San Francisco. It was he actually was in San Francisco before. He he worked um he worked for a, a corporate company surprise surprise and he gave up that whole lifestyle. He gave it all up. And he met Scott the way he liked to meet men, you know? He met him in the subway and they just hit it off. And when they got there in 1972 to San Francisco, they set up on Castro Street. And uh, they opened up uh, Castro Camera, which became um, a very big pinnacle part of, of his life. And that's where the story starts. I mean, it starts with a, a man that, like I said, he wore jeans. He had a ponytail. Uh, he, had a, he had a beard. He, he looked kind of creepy. And I remember, like, he liked to hang around the youth. Um, 
but he had a dream. He had a dream of, of bringing people together. And he was the kind of guy that like, you know, we've heard this in the interviews. You just, just would enjoy it. Like it was just, you would sit here and you would just want to hear this man talk. He was very inspiring. And he was and the, the amazing part about him was he was able to not only touch on the gay community, but relate with the elderly, the youth, yeah, the black community. You know, he had a, he had a, he just had a knack. He had a way of adapting himself really well. Yeah. I, to me, I think that he really did care about the people. Like he already had a job. He already had a business. So it seems to me like he was just like doing this. So I don't know exactly. You told me that, you know, like he ran for like three years or something like that, but he got elected as the the district supervisor, right? This. So, okay. So the, um, I'm trying to remember this. Uh, the story goes like this. Uh, Harvey ran for, he ran for a uh, district supervisor. Um, he did that in uh, 1973. And when he did that, he was, like I said, I mean, he looked like, you know, he looked like a freak. He was kind of weird. And he put himself completely into it. Um, he went from literally just walking around, giving posters and flyers and talking with people. He would bring people together and help them vote. You know, he would kind of bring in people and say, hey, hey come here, come here, come here. And teach them the importance of voting. Um, I feel like he kept his promises, you know, like think about it. Like he he probably told people like, hey, I'm going to stand up for you. And then he did. <laughs> but he put a lot of effort and energy and he created the thing about Castro camera was he was putting so much energy into the community that it wasn't really a camera store. I mean, it was his original idea was a place there, I believe, I think it was Scott's idea because there was a problem where if a person was gay and they went to get their photographs developed, a lot of places would ruin them because they would claim it's gay and it's, you know, pedophilia and kind of shit. So he wanted to create a place where all the people in the area can come and develop their film in privacy and wouldn't have, you know, anything destroyed. Um, but be- that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I know this guy. I'd like you, you could tell, like at the very beginning, he he had very strong ambitions to. I don't know. I feel like it's just like this drive towards like just helping people. I, 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 it's a really stone answer, but yeah, it's helping people. Which is like what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Right, because that's their job. Duh. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what else do they do? A lot of other shit. I don't know. But he brought he brought people together um, in those days, you know, and um, he was a hippie at heart. And his love with Scott kind of brought everything together. And uh, there's a few other people. I, I don't even remember their names. I just remember faces. I'm sorry. Uh, but there was people there. There is a raggedy couch and it was just a shabby, it was a really shabby little place. And 
they had a little area where they used to congregate the community and they would talk and have discussions. And even with all of the effort and energy he put into his first election, I believe he made it to like seventh, you know, cause like there's six slots and he made it to seventh. Like he almost got there. It was with 13,000 votes. And Did he like also like he didn't pick like a, a side like he didn't say that he was Republican or Democrat. He was the kind of person that he was undecided. A, right? He was he always said that like where he was in the middle. OK, he said yeah. where if you were on the left, he was viewed too conservative. And if he was on the right, he was viewed too liberal. So I love it. <laughs> I feel I mean, like, I feel I don't feel the same way because, like, I kind of know where my beliefs and philosophies lie. But I get that idea and it makes a, a total sense because the, the way that he behaved and the way that he started this whole like I, I say like a movement, OK, because even looking on these films and oh, yeah. Castro was the go-to in San Francisco. When they say the summer of love in those songs, they're being serious. It was, gays were flocking by the dozen, and not just gays, lesbians, trans. There was a, a large community in San Francisco at the time. And the way that he saw the community was kind of how like everybody had to take care of e each other. And like one of the earliest things when we talked about this, which I wanted to mention, was the core the Coors uh, boycott. So Coors basically had this policy at the time where they would fire drivers if they were homosexual or had any you know affiliation or anything like that, and they were fired. Um, and I forgot his name, but there was a guy that he was part of the workers, you know, union, and he didn't really like Harvey because he was, as he quote, a faggot. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, that 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 was and, and like fruitcake, there was like fruit and faggot. There's a lot of words in there. Yeah, um, I was born in the 80s. So like we don't say the F word. Fruit. Uh, anyway, um, but so the way that Harvey convinced him to work with him was Harvey said, look, he says, you want to take care you know, you want to take care of your workers because Harvey wanted to, you know, take care of these these workers because they're bringing over beer into San Francisco and they can lose their jobs. So Harvey said to him, he says, it's not just about the gay community. He, this guy was, you know, um, was Irish. He said, they can come after you, too. You know, they can come at, you know, once you say no to this doesn't take very long until you say no to that yeah it's like you you have to watch out for the rights of other people or they'll just do the same exact thing to you it is true it's like why not stand up for the person next to you because most likely you know you're not going to get treated worse than them but the cores boycott works so well because harvey pushed it really strong OK, when I say pushed it strong, he put out an ad. OK, now this is this is like back before we had Facebook, y'all. OK, this is back in the day. He put in an ad. What's the ad on? 
I forgot. Like it was like one of like the Gazette or something that was in San it's Francisco like in at the, the t- newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it basically stated, you know, to support the boycott, to cancel cores, and people were throwing the shit away. Like they were pouring it down the sewers. Bars were removing the caps, and Harvey was like coming there and and being a part of the community as they're doing this. Ooh, and, what a dark history for cores. And it got so bad that the breweries stopped sending over beer. It got to such a bad point in California that Coors was the sixth liked beer. It went from number one all the way down to six. Wow. That's that's like, that's fucking progress right there. Yeah, you start to fuck with people's money. You can kind of get their attention. He knew, this is the cool shit about him was he... He would learn things about his environment, you know, because like he was living in San Francisco, he was learning the community, bringing people together. And he knew how to give the people what they needed. And like, uh, we'll get to this um, in a little bit, but when he first came to office, which I told you this was not, he didn't, he was for something else before he was, but anyway, we'll get to that. Um, but he basically learned his environment. He was the kind of guy that would just absorb, re- like spend hours waking up early in the morning, going to bus stations, going to people's houses, like getting out and just talking to people. Do you know if he went to college? I believe so. Yeah, he went to he was well, he, he was forced by his parents because he was one. He had this big problem at the very beginning where he didn't know what he wanted to do. He never knew what he wanted to do. And his yeah. parents push, 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 push. If they do, they push, push, push. And he went to college and he hated it because it was all females. Yeah. <laughs> he went to a teacher's college. And at the time, you know, a lot of teachers were females. So all these teacher schools were full of females. And he just made a mockery of the situation. Okay. <laughs> like, That's not exactly what he was looking for. No, not not at all. And I mean, he graduated with a learning degree and he did use his learning degree at a time. Um, but to be honest, like I was we, just like curious if he had any like proper background. Yeah, he, was, he, he, yeah, he learned math. No, I mean, like, you know, I kind of what I'm trying to say is that I like that he didn't have any specific proper training in politics. No, like, he didn't. That's he was not cool. a politician. That's what I'm trying to say is that like, it's cool when somebody who's not a politician decides that they're going to stand up for their community. That's what I'm saying about it. Him like being like, like it just like being like a natural movement for him. Like he was the guy that was going to speak up for everybody is what it seems like to me. You know, am yeah. I just rambling? I no, mean, that's it, what it, stoners do. You no, know? no, no. I, I know that this is stoner culture, honey. This is this is what American Groove is all about. That's what um, we'll rename this rambling with ra- Chris and Dave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but the thing about Harvey was, I said this earlier. The the only politicians that will ever be good are the politicians that come from our home. Okay, they're people that can represent us. Okay, not not the fucking multimillionaires. Okay, I no disrespect, but there's the community that comes first because we are the ones that that fucking work every single day, 
and we do what we can to survive, to be a part of something. And Harvey was one of those kind of politicians where he was molded from his from the community. That's the kind of people we need in government is a people that are molded from our environment where we can say, hey, he, he, he can represent us. Hey, he can represent us. That was the whole thing about Harvey. He was a kind of politician where he was representing the elderly. He was representing the Chinese, you know, the, the Asian community. He was representing the gays. He was representing the lesbians. He was representing the straight people. Well, he represented his district and his district was full of all those things. that. You but he didn't listed. have to go to this level. That's the point, though. He didn't, you know, his type of job, he could have just, you know, done his few show runs, but he didn't. He went out there. He spent sometimes 16 hours a day, 16 hours a day for, okay, he made $9,000 a year. Okay, in 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 the late seventies. All right, and you might think, okay, nine thousand dollars, nice. No. In the nineteen seventies, a medium income was twenty four thousand dollars. In San Francisco. Yeah, and I'm like, he made less than the medium income in the nineteen seventies. So he was fucking broke as shit. He had his business, you know, the camera store, but like it, it failed. It doesn't sound like he you know, it was like rolling in dough. Like, it sounds like he did this out of the goodness of his own heart. Like he cared I genuinely. He, Oh yeah. I mean, he genuinely thought it was wrong for people to have to be closeted. Like he, I don't know when I watched his speeches, like I was like moved. Like I'm like, shit. Like I haven't heard somebody talk like this in a long time. Like, I don't know. Go ahead and like pull up a video, man. Like, Listening to him talk is just inspiring. Like the truth and honesty in his words were so cool. Like I just, I love the way that he talked to people. He also had like a, like he's like fiery and passionate, but like he's respectful. Like he's not, he's not an ass, you know, at all. Like a lot of times when people has, are like, uh, you know, has... like in your face with like stuff that people don't want to hear, they can be kind of a dick, but like, He's like passionate, but like calm and respectful at the same time. Like he's professional, I guess, is is a cool way to put it. Well, the thing about him, too, was uh, which we kind of skipped over. Uh, he was in theater. OK, he got introduced to theater. Um, he had a slew of horrible relationships. Um, but one of his slews, he was in theater. He was an actor and he got introduced into it. And one thing that he played really well was he could play characters and wear costumes. His look, like anybody that's looking, is in this this book. He he removed the hippies. So like there was a beard here. Actually, you know what? I think there's a picture in here somewhere. Um, this is so old school right now. Like I'm opening up a book to show a picture. Um, okay, if you can see. <laughs> this okay okay that was David him. Is showing us a book and it has a picture of of two men with their shirts off yes i see i see these two men with so no shirts that, on. that is uh scott which we've been talking through the episode laying and, on the floor and yeah. that is um and then for anyone that's watching the youtube i, I feel like one thing that 
we left out is at the same exact time that um, Harvey Milk has been doing all these wonderful things, putting in all this great effort, there's also another person um, who is working um, nearby, and his name is, is Dan White. And he is like a, well, a retired. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get doing but, it. But he's he's just kind of along the sidelines, just working, you know. And he, yeah, we're I mean, not Dan... gonna bring him up, and we're not gonna bring him up. We're not gonna tell, you know. But he's all he's just he's working, you know. He's 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 nearby, and he's just kind of like, ugh, you know, Dan White. Just so there, right so now. Dan White was a firefighter. Um. And also, I believe he was also an ex-police officer. And, you know, he just graduated high school. He didn't have any other type of degree. Um, and when Har- when Harvey was elected uh, district supervisor, it was at the time where he, he became um, district supervisor. There was a Chinese man that became the district supervisor. Uh, there was a woman that was elected that was a friend of um, Harvey as well. She was uh, Hispanic. And it was just a very diverse group of people in the district at the time in San Francisco in 1978. And it was no, it was the same thing with Danny. Danny was, you know, a young guy. He was one of the youngest people to be a district supervisor. He didn't have any idea of politics, but he was a type of guy in his district, which was district eight. Uh, you know, it was uh, middle class, you know, Irish American, Irish, Irish Catholics, where he was just part of the community. Everybody knew Danny, you know, like they called him Danny boy, like he was their buddy, their friend. And he won. He won. And he was a part of that weird group for the 11 months. It lasted longer, but um, until Harvey, um, unfortunately, was assassinated. But he was a part of that weird group and his problem was he never fit in. Okay. He well, never we, don't, fit we don't have to explain everything about no, 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 no. him. We can it, touch back on, on him. Cause no, it's, it's, I just it's, wanted to say that at yeah. the same time, yeah, there was a person nearby oh, yeah. developing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can go back to, we can go back to Harvey and then, you know, you just understand there was, there was this other person that was also working. Yeah. Stoners are never consistent. So <laughs> we, we never stay on track. We're always going in different directions. It's so, like a Pulp Fiction movie. Yeah. You know? Just make sure you're wearing your seatbelts because we do not cover for car accidents. Okay. I'm just saying there's a side character. Yes, there is a side character. Um, Her name is Twix. But anyway. <laughs> name is Dan. Danny boy. Oh, oh Danny boy. Uh, but even before this, so, I mean, he, he failed, um, to get reelected. And I told you this, one of his first, uh, ways of getting into, uh, city hall was George Marscone. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be elected as mayor and he wanted to get in with the gay community at the time because Harvey was, you know, he already got the community pumped up for his first election and it failed anyway, but you know, everybody knew who he was in the community and George Moscone wanted to win on that. So Harvey said to him, tell you what, if you, if you help me and get me a job, I'll help you win. So in return, 
George Muscone gave him a job. Now, to make a long story short, because I don't remember fucking three pages worth of it. I'm sorry. Well, what? It was three pages. What, it, what it was are fucking you talking three about? Um, he basically, there was an opening for district supervisor uh, for District 16, which was a, a poor community. Um, it was consisted of blacks and Hispanics, uh, you know, kind of a slaughterhouse, meat district, packing district kind of area. I don't ever remember there being like districts, you know, like this sounds like France, like Paris. Well, they have a lot of cities, districts. a lot of cities are like this. I mean, New York That's City cool. is exactly like this. There's um, my favorite is, is District 12. I don't know if you know oh. where District 12 is in New York. Anybody knows? No, I don't. We have counties where I come from. No, no. Well, I don't they, know, maybe they do have districts, and I just don't think about it. Well, it's yeah. little. So, for example, <laughs> it's community wise. So, when you have a city like San Francisco, you have a lot of these diverse little groups. Now, one thing to keep in mind, which is important, and one reason why he failed Harvey twice was because he had to get all the votes of the entire city of San Francisco. Okay, he had to get all the groups, and a lot of groups would not vote in a homosexual. And um, when to get George Marscone in, George Marscone wanted to change that. He wanted to create where the district votes for the district supervisor. So that means that district district six, district no, it's district five. Sorry, district five. Uh, which was consists, I believe, of Auburn Heights, Castro. There was a few other areas that I don't remember. Um, yeah, they got to vote him in. Yeah. And that was his, that's how he got in his third attempt. So he had two failed attempts. So we kind of skipped over this. The first attempt, he went as a weird, creepy hippie. The The second attempt, <laughs> he put on the costume. He That's literally what it said. He, he literally put on a costume. And... He uh, put what, on the suit and tie. Is the yeah, costume? Yeah, he, he, That's great. You know, he cut the ponytail. He clean shaved. Uh, <laughs> he got a used suit from uh, a, a cleaner's, you know, suit that was never picked up. He he got the suit um, and and he did it again. Like he went he went into it again with the clean vibe and it fucking didn't work. And <laughs> this shit like like is kind of crazy was going back to what I was saying, um, he got the job because of George Muscone. And when he got in, there was an opening because he, this was, you know, after the second attempt, I think it was like 19, I think it was 1975, I believe. Yeah. I think it was 1975. Mm. And, um, he, he had a friend at the time. She, you know, kind of told him, you know, he wanted to wait a year or so until he got back in um, to doing the elections. Because you have to understand it, like he was doing everything himself. He had a group of people who were helping him. He had, you know, writers and campaign, but it was a lot of work. And he was tired, you know, he had his job now and he was actually in City Hall. And he's like, you know, I'm going to put it for a year and a half. And she said to him, no, 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 go after District 16, you know, you know, it, it's open. Go for it. The problem was George Marscone had a friend by the name of Leo McCarthy that he had an IOU to him, which stated that 
for District 16 for that seat, he would make sure that his friend, I don't know, some fucking weird name that I, I can't remember to pronounce, would get the seat. Okay? So... Harvey didn't know about this, okay? Why fucking not? He wouldn't know this. He didn't have an iPhone back then, okay? It's 1975. Hey, you know, fucking loser. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, all of a sudden you have, he springs up, you know, he's at one of the, the dinner things and he, he says, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and run. And, um, the mayor was not happy at all. And um, he fired him four hours later. So he kicked out, he kicked out Harvey. So Harvey was was fired. So this is an important part of the story, which you don't generally get from the movies. There was already this, we're gonna get into this a little um a little bit later. There, there, there is this complex dynamic between Danny. Harvey and George. I mean, it sounds like he, like George is like a little bit hot headed, like maybe maybe like impulsive. But I don't know what you told me earlier on the phone is that George needed Harvey, you know, back in the beginning to like get elected in the first place. You know, like yeah, he did. Harvey helped George get elected. You know, yeah. yeah. And um, it wasn't until a year later he ran again. So here's a funny thing. Um, there was a guy, and I normally remember his last name because it sounds like the thing from 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 Star Wars, just Stoker. Uh, I think it was Stoke or some kind of shit. I don't know, whatever kind of way. Anyway, um, that's what it reminded me of. And, I don't remember uh, that person. <laughs> he was uh, he was also he was also gay, and he was also running um, for district election. But the way that Harvey presented himself to the community, and I mean, the man put it all, okay? He put on the whole environment of where I'm here for the community, and he went out of his way to be represented by other communities, okay? There was a woman we saw in the documentary. Um, her name was Anne Cronenberg. Uh, he got introduced to Harvey by a friend of his that knew the kind of work that she did and he gave her a phone call and she came and like she said in the uh the video she was just like she walked in there and and he's screaming and yelling and he's like oh this is a thing we new yorkers do first of all we only scream when we're with family because they can be so fucking annoying okay that's number one no i'm kidding um uh yeah i've heard some things on the phone <laughs> it's fine i i almost enjoy it's, it it's but... jewish family what do you do um oh uh, there was this one time that there was like a neighbor giving your mom some trouble and the neighbor was like in the hallway or something and your mom she could have like murdered him you know like with just words like i was like damn woman my mom is real jewish honey she's real jewish it wasn't that it was just like she knows how to like lay it down, like you know, like back off kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he made it so important to have to listen, to listen to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he spoke to 
um, a black lesbian activist to help support his campaign. He spoke with straight people, the elderly. He really wanted to get everybody involved. And he called it, you know, it was Harvey vs. the machine. That's how he labeled it. Because, you know, the way that the the politicians were working, it's a machine. You know, they're not actually doing any of the work. Well, speaking of machines, was it him that, you know, made sure that they got the type of voting machine that, you know, people of different languages could use? Was that... Yeah, yeah, that, that actually happened. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And he, like specifically called like Chinese homes and was like, Hey, you know, like we're, we're going to get this, this voting thing for you because you know, it's going to like, it's going to work for you and, and it, you can use it this way. Yeah. And it, it, it's something that's also important um, to bring up because it is mentioned in the book, the, the Asian community, especially in California, especially in San Francisco at the time, it was very hard. It was very harsh. A lot of people were impoverished. They were in a lot of dangerous areas. And an important part of Harvey was creating safe streets, you know, creating an environment that, you know, making sure the place looks nice, making sure everything is cared for. And the same thing applied with the police. He did not care for police brutality. And he used to get himself involved with it. He used to block off police officers and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, why are you hurting this person? And he had this drive of creating listen, we're all here for the same fucking shit, okay? You want to get to fucking work. You want to go to bed, okay? You need to open up your store. We all got the same, we got shit that we got to do. So why are we living in an environment where we can't fucking trust each other, okay? We can't trust the people that are supposed to protect us, okay, when we're in danger. How is that, how is that a community? And Harvey's not the only one that talks about this. This is a thing that we live in a society now where we live in cities, okay? That is not natural. It's not. It's not natural to live in a city, but we do. And because we live in a city, we have many people that live here just like you do. You have many people that open businesses, okay, that have very similar lives to you, very similar struggles than you, to you. Instead of us fighting each other, because we're gay, because we're trans, because somebody's fucking black or Asian or fucking Latin. Who gives a fucking shit? Okay, he's your fucking neighbor. Okay, this guy fucking owns the grocery store down the street. Like, he's a part of your community. Show some fucking respect, seriously. That's what it's about. It's not about who's fucking gay and who's straight. Who gives a shit? Doesn't matter yeah, in the end. I agree with you. I I saw, you know, there was this from what I read and from what I saw it, it seems like for people at the time, and I still see it now, there is this, you know, the way that this guy put it was like they're not like us. You know, like this just otherness, like this, you know, just people treating people like less than because they're not us. They're not the same as whoever this us is, yeah. you know, and it's just like, 
it happens everywhere and i think that that's what harvey was trying to stop he was trying to say that this is all a community and he's standing up for the minority i do know that there was a lot of police brutality towards homosexual people like <laughs> he also said you know that the the cops used to go in and just rough up rough up gay people because they what was wrong with it in a I mean, listen, listen honey anybody can ruffle my ruffles but if you want to put handcuffs on this, you got to leave my $300 right beneath my pants. You know where to put it. Yes, you do. I just. How. I mean, it. It would be terrifying to be gay in a community where, you know, for sure the police do not or will not help you i mean i still kind of feel like the police are not going to help me you know in general but like i mean you're honey you're in la so like <laughs> i mean i'm fucked here too i mean i'm in broward county in florida we don't have no fucking cops but it's like you know this is your community but yeah. your cops aren't there for you um which happens and here's a the lot. thing too and here's the thing too harvey milk his own community like community like associations and clubs and groups they were against him okay from the get-go they called him a weirdo they call him um they, they called him all kind of shit he had you know uh feminist groups and lesbian groups that were against him too there were a lot of groups that were against him on both sides that were threatening him and he said this so many fucking times and you hear this in videos and he said this is like i'm not i mean I'm here for gay and straight people. You know, he was stating that, yes, I'm gay and I'm representing the gay community, but I want to represent also the community that revolves around it. Yeah, everybody else, too. I think. Yeah, that... exactly. Everybody else, too. Yeah, I was really disappointed to see. And I've always been disappointed in in how how religion had impacted you know politics um you know i mean as a christian it it always bothers me to see this this homophobic side of christianity it it always makes me feel feel bad <laughs> like, the i hate the, it the, the and i'm reminded is... of it in this you know and in many different things i'm reminded the thing about homophobia and it is from this perspective. When you have when you have somebody that says that they're homophobic, okay? The way I look at it is is that so you have a problem what I do in my private bedroom. So you have a problem what I do personally cuz let's face it, sex is a personal thing. You don't okay, some of us share sex. I know that. There are some people that do that. That's fine. But I'm saying, in general, people have sex as personal. So why do we have this conversation of, oh, homo you know, homosexuals are bad? Are you a homosexual? No. I think it's just like this, like, again, that, you know, like, 
again it's just that like not like us kind of thing my phone my phone is dying and so i have to plug it in and now i'm toying with this phone i hate technology david i well, you're keeping like, you're, you're keeping the experience alive honey oh god yeah well yeah I we're, plugged we're in trying the phone so that it didn't die and but now it won't stand up anymore because I don't exactly have like a stand for it. It was just like balancing. We got to get you a stand. I have a stand here, so everybody <laughs> sees me perpendicular. I feel like I feel like I need to give my dog a bone and find a place to put my phone. Like he speaking can, of bones, he can feel how. Here, you carry on the podcast for like two seconds, okay? Okay, it's gonna be about two minutes. All right. All by yourself. Oh my god. Um, I, I, I'm gonna. Yeah. Anyway, so um, speaking about Harvey, uh, where we left last left off, and once he was, once he was officially the district supervisor, it, the whole entire community was was up, like uproar. You know, you they finally had this man that they were working so hard, they failed fucking two times, and they finally got him up there. And he was the kind of guy that pissed them off. Okay, even fucking Diane Feinstein, whatever her fucking bullshit name is. Um, horrible lady. By the way, if anybody is depressed about how crazy expensive San Francisco is, blame that lady. She's the cause and problem for all of that shit. But anyway... He had he had a problem at the very beginning because a lot of the work that he wanted to do he couldn't do, you know, because he realized that once you're a part of uh, government, your hands are a little bit more tied than you think. And to put it in in short, it's where you have just piles of papers. They need to pass to departments that make no sense over to other departments that make no more sense, you know, just for this process to linger on and on and on. And like, I don't understand politics in any of this shit, but I just, it, it just, it baffles me. But anyway, at the very beginning, you know, he started and we're going to get into this because I think, mean, uh, you know, we can go over some stuff, you know, afterwards, but it's important we go into this. Um, he became close with Dan White and one of the first problems between the duo, between the two of them was Harvey learned quickly that one of the ways to win ballot, you know, ballots so they can get their laws passed in their districts was to, you know, trade. So if you do this for me, I do this for you. Kind of shtick. Okay. Shtick. I fucking love that word. Shtick. It, yeah. It sounds kind of crooked though. What do you mean? Like it. That's government. Government's crooked. We all know oh. this. Everybody's okay, watching this knows well this. Then, like it's. Then it's, don't ask me what I mean. Sounds crooked. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but he. But he made a deal with Danny because uh, what happened was in his district, there was this old you know, Christian, like kind of nun school that kind of dwindled down and it was going to be sold off and it was going to be sold over to, you know, the juvenile district 
to create a place for these kind of kids. And in Danny's district, which was district eight, they didn't want a place like this. Like they felt that it was attract the wrong kind of people. And so he, and the problem was for Hari, he had a very hard time getting the gay rights bill passed in San Francisco. You know, he, he kept on being, you know, kind of thrown around because it had to be passed by Danny. So Danny had to get all that done through, you know, the, the police department and the fire department and the bullshit department and the more fucked up bullshit department and so on. And um, he basically made a deal with Harvey's. So he said, look, if you tell them not to put up the secret, you know, the, the, the juvenile district, you know, the facility, I'll get the bill for the gay rights passed. And this is the biggest, I, I think this is kind of the, the turning point for all of this shit. Harvey went back on his word because the problem was, is that what Harvey was representing, he was representing taking care. Remember we said this earlier, like he was taking care of the youth. He was very part of the next generation. You know, he had, he was a very strong believer of, you know, gay kids just coming out and figuring out what they wanted to do and really exploring themselves and finding out what they really want to do in life. And um, in a way, he betrayed Danny because when they came up for the ballot and when they asked Harvey his his opinion, you know, uh, yay or nay for, for the psychiatric award, he said yay. And that pissed Danny off. And eventually, you know, Harvey got his his gay bills right passed, which went into law. So I, I feel like there was a bit of animosity and jealousy from the very beginning, because, um, you know, even with what I was reading and Danny had a sort of jealousy towards Harvey. You know, Danny saw Harvey was getting all his paperwork done because Harvey worked hours. OK, we're talking about hours upon hours he would he would work like 16 to 17 hours a day and he was really into it like you know he, he was his life was all around around this he really wanted to be a part of it and uh danny he had a kid and and he had a wife and he just wasn't keeping up with the job so god shit i've probably been talking for fucking 15 minutes sorry no, I mean, like, if we're going to talk about Dan, Danny, you know, I mean, we can talk about him, Danny but are we boy. there? I don't think we're there yet. And it's important to, to first bring this into account so we, we have a little bit of a founding. Um, I'm trying to think, 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 think. I know, think, I have think. the munchies, like, really bad. Like, yeah, I, I mean, this is, a pro this is a problem when you, you have a stoner culture podcast and um, you, you smoke the marijuana. On I the want gum, and I know that I bought some, like, I bought some, like, really, really okay, awesome okay, gum. But let's not let, you know, a little bit Um, bit um <laughs> <laughs> well i just like i also am still just having phone problems because i'm like an old woman i love this um, though it's like you're, we're giving our audience a different perspective of carissa with each shake of the phone it's so bad like it's just like i don't know how to do any better guys 
Like, I honestly didn't know that I was living on my phone tonight. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I just thought that somehow we would do it with my computer. I don't know. I didn't know that I would have to do it. And now I really want to chew some gum. So David, I'm struggling. I hear you, honey. We got to stay strong. Um. So when... So Harvey's now in office and he has, <laughs> I know this is completely all tangents. Um, Harvey's now in his office. Harvey is now the district supervisor of district five. And it's kind of sad because, you know, towards the end of 1978, uh, his, his life was starting to take a turn for the worst. Um, he was struggling financially. He didn't have a lot of money. And he had a lot of debt. And at the time, towards already October, I believe, I think this was, this was earlier, I believe this was in August, they had the problem with Proposition 6. So Prop 6, if anybody... We're going to do a little history lesson right now. Uh, there was a, uh, a woman by the name of Anita Bryant. And she... She started up an uprising uh, that happened in Florida, Miami, Florida, for people that are part of... that are homosexuals, that they lose their rights and they can lose their jobs. And they really scared Harvey and it really scared the San Francisco community because California was a very liberal uh, state at the time and it still is. But there was a, a man uh, that was in the Senate. Uh, his name was John Briggs. He found an opportunity. This is so fucking sick. He found an opportunity um, to boost his power. So he didn't really care if people were homosexuals. He didn't give a fuck. He just cared about having power. So he made up all this blasphemy of how if you have homosexual teachers, they are going to uh, rape children because, you know, homosexuals are rapists and pedophiles. Um, and they, they went on a whole tangent. I mean, they, they won in a bunch of states uh, to basically erase uh, gay rights. They said that it's statistically proven that more uh, molesters are actually straight. Correct. Again, it, it all of this is just racism and homophobia. This is where this is where all this shit comes from. All it starts with somebody. It's important. All it starts with somebody saying, "Oh, I don't like your skin tone. Oh, I don't like the person you're with." Oh, I don't like your hair color. Oh, I don't like you. It, it, all it takes is the one thing. And then once you have that one thing, it, it, it think, just, yeah, it, it's a ripple effect. Well, like I was saying, anybody could say, you know, like, well, this person's not like us. Well, in order to say this person's not like us in that way, you would have to have an us. So I think that what happens is when people start like ganging up, they start like teaming up, they they create this like 
mob mentality type thing where they're like against each other they're in groups and they've grouped up against each other it's like you're not like us you know but like if the people are one-on-one you know you, you might be different than one another but like i think that I think that it starts to happen within like groups and the the people kind of like gang up against each other. I almost feel like if you had like, you know, a room of like one of, of each different type of minority, maybe the people would like have to kind of just like, oh God, we're all different. Yeah, we are all different. And the thing is, is that our differences doesn't make us not united. You know, just because somebody's a lesbian. It shouldn't doesn't mean that a lesbian can't hang out with a straight woman. Doesn't well, mean that like, they can't be friends because just be, yeah. it's just because one woman likes women and one likes men. That's they're that's what they're sexually attracted to. That's I, I mean, it, to me, it baffles me because I have tried so hard to look at it from a different scope. And I can understand Harvey's perspective and the perspective of the Castro and the gay community over here is we're all I'm trying to say, all I think we're trying to say is that we as people, we're only different because what we like to fuck, where we get our food from, I'm that serious. And where we fucking originally came from, like that's where the shit is. I mean, it, it's just like fucking skin tone, fucking sexuality, a fucking gender. I mean, it's it's minuscule things to com- compared to a possible eighty-five year lifespan for each of these people. You're taking one minuscule thing out of their eighty-five year. Think about this: one little minuscule thing out of an eighty-five year lifespan. Let's just say it's so in in, in insignificant to compared to the rest of what this person could accomplish. What does it matter? That's the, again, the point is people felt threatened. That's the only thing that I can think is that people felt threatened. I look at, I look at, look at Danny, Dan White. And I think that, he probably had like his absolutely insane father's voice like pounding through his head telling him you know like what's right from wrong just this oh, was, like old oh, old generation person you know like just speaking this right from wrong and it's just like people you know they're they're taught about the world by their parents and then that's what they are taught is like success or not. And it, unfortunately, racism is, is something that is taught to people. Unfortunately, um, still in this country. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying like, it's a choice, you know, like I was not taught racism. I mean, you, you honestly have to. You to teach the opposite of racism in order to accomplish having a non-racist child if you want to. Um, but I think back then, you know, it was it was even worse. <laughs> it was. And it's better now than it was 
40 years ago. But the last few months of his life, you know, he he was experiencing a lot. And of course, they, they won Proposition 6, thankfully. Um, but even with gay rights today, like, to be honest, I live in Florida. Here's the really fucked up shit. They can fire you and not give you a reason here in Florida. It's legal. So that means your employer can fire you because you're gay, because you're Asian. They can fire you for whatever shit. They can fire you for whatever, and they don't have to tell you. So this is why it's important to bring up the these conversations again, even though it's been 40 years, is to remember that we don't have that much freedom. We have this much freedom. And it's not, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. What I'm trying to say is, is that when it comes to society, progress is slow. It's very slow. And we need to understand this. That's why like 40 years seems like a long time. It's not. If you think about it, you know, like society, social, culture wise, it's not. It's a very short period of time. But he got a lot done. Like in, 11 in his months. period of time. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, I like I, that. You know, you can you can think of the conspiracy of maybe he knew he knew he was gonna be assassinated and like plan the eleven I mean it's so much fucking bullshit, but it would be kind of be a cool conspiracy to think like he planned the eleven months up to his assassination. When I got on I the internet, there was like there was a bunch of conspiracies. Like, I didn't read any of them, but, like, I noticed that, like, there was a bunch of conspiracies on there. There's one of the oldest punker ones that I heard on a, on a, uh, a rock and roll punk uh, podcast. Um, I love those fucking shit, by the way. Anybody that's out there. What, conspiracies? Fu- no, yeah, I fucking love conspiracies. are fucking amazing. But, Harvey Milk conspiracies. <laughs> uh, the This one is kind of interesting. It's a theory where Diane Feinstein had him killed as well as uh, George Marscone. And the main reason for this is because she was very, very wealthy and she had her her ass all the way up the real estate ladder. I mean, honey, that thing was real deep, like, in there. Uh, and that's what she did. She destroyed San Francisco. The San Francisco that we know and love that died in 1978 no longer exists. She made it extremely expensive. She destroyed the city. And we're left now with a really, like, I know people that have lived in San Francisco. I know people that go to San Francisco. It's very bad. Thank you, Feinstein. Yeah, I've definitely heard that it's pretty bad from a few different people. God. And it's kind of interesting because in the book, it kind of mentions this. Where he kind of knew early on that she was a piece of shit. And... um he just like had a sense like he would he would say certain things to his colleagues. You know, he wouldn't trust her with a lot of different things. Um, but I, I mean, like with everything that like we've discussed. One like really important moment, which we, we spoke about, which was earlier um, in the year, which was um, in August. He did. I think it was the gay freedom parade. It was in, I think it was in June. And. I, I think it's called The Life of Harvey Milk. It's on HBO Max. 
I know that for sure. So anybody that has HBO Max is on there. It's made in 1984. Uh, that's one of our um, credits that we have. The other one is this book, Harvey Milk, and it's by Lillian Faderman. So this is where all of our research is coming from. Um, and in the documentary, he was in his Volvo. Uh, that was actually his car. Uh, and he's sitting there and he's wearing jeans. He's not wearing a suit. He's wearing a white shirt. And he has a band, which was common. You know, people used to wear symbols, have signs. You, you saw that. Uh, and it had, you know, the pink triangle, which is the symbol of, of, you know, being gay. as a yeah. pink triangle. Pink triangle on our sleeve. Yes. And that's where we got up to where he gave his speech. Um, and here's the thing about Harvey, which we didn't mention. He received, besides being hated by the liberal gay community, um, gay, um, cons- you know, groups, he was sent hate mail after hate mail, wishing death upon him. We're going to murder you. He was a very, he was the kind of man that like was going to get murdered. But he didn't like, he never, you know, Anne even said that in, in, in the video. He didn't let it, it bother him. He just, yeah. he wanted to be part of the community. He wanted to, he wanted to take care of it. Yeah, he said he didn't want to live his life, like, worried that somebody might kill him. But, but it's funny, did. I mean, like, he wasn't, like, out in public when he died, you know, so... I already smoked my one joint. It's gone now. I'm I'm sorry. I got a little left. Um, But I found the gum that I was looking for. So I'm pretty happy about that. So he reached a point. I mean, uh, something to keep in mind. We've mentioned this before. His, His relationships were abysmal. He tended to date younger men, um, which, believe it or not, actually is actually common. I'm in the gay community. A lot of people, it, it, it's it's common where you'll have, you know, people men date f- younger people. Yeah, it's it's common in the community. And it's not weird. When I was reading this, it makes total sense. I experienced that myself. Um, They don't deserve you, David. No, honey, they don't. I cost $500 an hour. It's a lot. I could date an old guy too if I wanted to. I mean, not too old. Not too old. Um, old. Oh my god! So, <laughs> get off of my podcast, Carissa. <laughs> so basically, like with Scott, uh, you know, and the relationship was pretty much, um, pretty much over. But he still stuck around. Like he took care of the store, the. the 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 Castro and um, Harvey was 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 dating somebody at the time, which was he was a complete wreck and he was he was a, a damaged a damaged 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 human being, and um, he committed suicide because Harvey was so invested in his work and he he took care of him like he was really he was there for him, but you know, we. Harvey realized like he couldn't blame himself. You know, he did what he did, but it's kind of weird. Like up until Harvey's death, his boyfriend um, committed suicide. 
Jonestown happened for 909 people did a mass suicide. And a lot of them were, were from San Francisco. A lot of them. Yeah, they were San Francisco. Yeah, a lot of people had moved to Jonestown that, like, was it in Africa? Like, northern? No, it was in South America. South America? What? Mm-hmm. It was in Guana. Okay. Well, they had, like, a piece of land there. They all went out there, and it didn't go very well. I don't know. I think a lot of people were really inspired by, like, the movement of people who like wanted to go live a different life. And it was like really disappointing to see that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you have a cult. So yeah, no, um, <laughs> I think a lot of those people joined that thing with good intentions. Every, every good cult starts with good intentions, honey. Uh, the problem is when it's done in practice, when it's done in practice, shit real hits the fan. I'm, I'm, I mean, that, I'm, I mean, that seriously. I understand the like wanting to like live outside of America and like creating like a new country. <laughs> but all seriousness, I mean, this is kind of hard to it's kind of hard to talk about because this is kind of like where you're hype. Like I remember we were talking about this earlier. Like this is the kind of guy that I wish was alive. I don't give a fucking shit. He's around my grandfather's age, like 90. Can you imagine this guy right now? 90. I mean, he'd probably be just as nutty and cuckoo as he was in the seventies and everybody would fucking love it. Uh, you know, I think you get nutty and cuckoo as you get older. Uh, I think he would have done a lot more. He probably yeah. would have. Yes. Yeah. And maybe gay marriage would have came a lot sooner. In America, you think about it, that, that would have been kind of cool if that did exist. Maybe um, what happened with the AIDS pandemic, we don't know. I mean, like, these are all, like, theories. But the whole honesty was his rocky relationship with Danny from the get-go and where there was backlash between the two of them because they kind of contradicted each other's beliefs. You know, Danny, like we said, was a very old, you know, old school, traditional, and he was very homophobic. Um, and he just did not work with Harvey. He didn't, he was just jealous and he was just angry. No, they and, had very different points of view. They represented different people. I mean, I feel like Harvey, you know, cared about everybody, but it feels like to me that Danny just only cared about people who were like him and, and believed the things that he believed, you know? And it was just like, I mean, I don't really know that. I mean, he might cared about everybody else. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know that, but like, it just, from what I got it about it. Yeah. Sorry. It was like, he just, you know, I, for me, I think in, in government, we should have people representing lots of different types of beliefs and i think it's okay that harvey was representing no i think it's okay that danny was representing something that he believes in that's fine but he also needs to be okay with other people representing things that they believe in like you do not get to voice your opinion if you don't let anyone else Uh, because why would you be allowed to voice your opinion You know, like it's you need to let other people do it if you want to have the right yourself. And I think like the 
the cherry on the top of the, you know, the cherry on top was he resigned after proposition six and he was just pissed off and he was angry. It was for Friday. And then, uh, over the weekend, he came back and he retaliated and he says, no, 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 you know, I, I made a mistake. I have to take care of my family. I'm going to be coming back. And he he basically told everybody that he was coming back. And, you know, um, Mayor Moscone at the time, he was going to take him back, you know. But Harvey said no. Harvey fought against it. He says, no, he quit. He he He, he gave it up. To make a long story short, the real reason why he left was because he wasn't making enough money and he was complaining that he was working too hard. They couldn't support his family. I, I, I mean, realistically, you have to understand that district supervisors in the 1970s, they were part-time workers. Okay, These were people that had their own businesses and then they worked for the community. Uh, nobody really did this full-time. And, and Harvey and Danny were the ones that they did this full-time because – they gave up their lives to do this. Danny gave up working as a as a fireman to be working as as a district supervisor. Harvey gave it, up, you know, the, the camera store and this whole thing that he had going on to do this, you know, again. So there was this clip of of Danny is and he was like crying and he was like Oh, we'll get there. He's oh, honey, like we'll my get, wife my wife has to work. Oh, poor motherfucking piece of shit. I'm it's sorry. Like, my wife has to work long hours at the babies oh, with the God. babysitter. Oh and I was Jesus. like, oh man, like it must have been a big deal for you. Yeah, let me let me work. let me go let me let me go into a mall right now and just fucking murder everyone because like my life is so bad. That's what I'm saying, is like I I feel like he had this like old school like man's voice in his head like your wife shouldn't have to be working like he had so this let's, like let's, old let's old ease, voice in his head let's let's ease our listeners into this because it, it, honey like this is going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride um he died i believe it was november uh can you help me over no, here you don't you're not to go there don't go um, there. I mean, he died in November. I no, think it was November twenty no, seventh. No. There was That's later. Uh, yeah. No. Okay. Okay. You already did it. Well, we're <laughs> gonna talk about the White Knight riots too. It's gonna be fucking dope. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. We're, we're getting there. We're almost there. Um. So, the day that he died. So, so, so everybody should understand this. Okay. It's nineteen seventy eight. If the mayor of San Francisco, this guy goes through a window in the basement in City Hall with an armed gun with an extra round in his other pocket. Okay. He enters the building because, because he didn't want to get caught by the metal detectors because he had a gun that was loaded with another pack in the other pocket. Okay. Yeah. He's like, he he just out of nowhere decides that he wants his job back, you know, and then and then he was going to kind of get it back. But then, you know, 
Milk sees this opportunity. So he goes down and he talks to the, the mayor and and he's like, hey, like this is like the sixth, you know, vote that we need, you know, and he's like, we can change everything with this. I feel like the two of them had this opportunity and they like jumped on it and they, you know, and it's like, hey, buddy, like you screwed up. So you it's know, on their own death sentence, basically, because so, like so if Danny, they never did that, if they took him back, I know. I know, like they they really pushed it. I but it's like they they didn't do anything illegal. No, like, they didn't. you know the dude the dude like freaking resigned. He dropped out. He resigned. You know, and it's like it's stupid to go back and forth. But like I also feel like I feel like obviously Danny came down there with the wrong attitude <laughs> to try to get his job back. <laughs> like what the <laughs> like what? Now he was a retired police officer. So, like, I mean, like, yeah, that's why he's carrying around a gun and acting like a hot shot and, like, going down, going to, like, be insane. I mean, it's just really, really intense. I also want to point out that it it was, like, okay, so, like, Thanksgiving was that Thursday. And then over the weekend, who knows what happened, but he marched down there Monday after Thanksgiving. You know, we all just had Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking, damn, that's really stressful time. Plus, he said there's a lot of stress on the family with the money and the okay, This is just my conspiracy theory, from what I can tell. He marched down there on Monday after Thanksgiving and, what, and what shot I'm, a couple guys. What I'm it's thinking insane. is, keep, it's possible, and again, I can't prove this, and I don't see any, but just my theory. He might have been on pills, like narcotics, like some really strong shit. And the reason why I say this, the way he killed these people. Okay, if anyone's, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to be really graphic. So if you don't want to hear this, just close your ears. Um, he shot the mayor four times. Yeah, okay. and then and then shot him in the head. After already shooting him, he like walked up to him and then same thing with Harvey. No, then he, he did goes, it even worse. He did it worse with Harvey. What the horrible part was they found out um, after the, the coroner report, Harvey yeah. had his hands up. Okay. But it was like after he shot him, he, it, it, I'm sure Harvey was already dead with his hands up and everything, you know, and then, you know. And then he shot him like four times or whatever. Then he goes up to him, puts the gun against his head and shoots him again, like to make sure that he's dead. It's just like. So intense, like really, 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 really murderous, like I think he was on something. It, it is like extremely wild action, like. Yeah, but I there was some somebody who like made a quote or something and just said that like there was this tension that was like brewing, like just like a tension that was just like growing and it was like a like you could feel it in the air that it was an unsafe political climate at the time. You know, and that's what I was saying is like and what you were saying about how like Harvey kind of said that like, you know, it was totally possible for him to get assassinated. Like, I feel like maybe this was like, yes, everyone was shocked, but I feel like maybe it was more possible than 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 you think, you know, because it was possible. 
I think I think one of the the horrible parts were the fact that this man could enter into City Hall. And again, this goes back to hold on. Uh, okay, that's better. Um, it goes back to well, what I had to experience as a kid. Sandy Hook. Okay. I remember as a kid growing up, we never thought about school shootings. And then all of a sudden there was school shootings. It, it was a realization where how can we be safe if we can't even protect ourselves? I mean, for fucking Christ's sakes, this man is able to murder. Okay. I think it was like 11 o'clock in the morning or something like that. I think it was like, this was early in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like Monday at like 11. It's like, he's able to murder the mayor and the district supervisor on a Monday morning. I mean, yeah, I guess people are busy and they're all running away, but it's not the point. Just think about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that one guy, he said, I wish I, I wish I knew who the hell it was, but it was quoted in the documentary. He said that if, if Danny would have just killed the mayor, it would have been totally different than if Danny killed both of them, because now Danny has killed the mayor and a gay man. And so it was almost like the city gave less shits because it was a gay man yeah. And and it, it would have been a bigger deal if he'd have just shot the mayor, you know, and and but it was like, man, just hearing that type of shit, it just really bothered me a lot. You know, sometimes it it can be really hard to be reminded it. You know, I, I live kind of in my own little stoner bubble trying to just like get by. Just just to just to put this in perspective, um, we won't bore you. His trial uh, basically consisted of this bullshit Christ, um, very sad recording he made of himself. Boo hoo hoo, motherfucker. Um, yeah, you know, I'd love if Mark David Chapman did that same fucking shit 30 fucking years ago, what would have happened? Um, I mean, I always feel bad for people who are mentally ill. Like, it's. It's like it's like it's embedded in me, honey. Like, honey, this is this is beyond levels. He's mentally ill. I mean, he hired a lawyer. This is how crazy this man is. He hired a lawyer to put forth in front of the jury this bullshit cry of because of his stress and <laughs> it's nuts. You killed people. Ooh, we're getting to the juice. We're getting to the juice part because he ate an excessive amount of junk food. Uh, Twinkies. Twinkies. He had uh, a metabolic... I told you it was Thanksgiving. I don't know of a better word of putting this, but that was by far the dumbest trial. It was I've... so dumb. How the hell did lo- those lawyers get away with that? Like, it, I cannot with that trial. Like, I, I was just like, wait, what? Like, I couldn't believe any of it. I was like, excuse me, the man got out? Like, yeah, 1980, oh, what? 1984. Like, 
what? Like, since when could you kill a government official? And that's what I'm saying. I I don't know. I, I'm just I'm that's saying that's how petty that is how petty this fucking country has been is that we will we will basically abolish every single law. We'll eradicate every type of jurisdiction or structure that exists for one single person that once that one single purpose is to completely eradicate the idea of this kind of person existing. And I'm going to say this and I don't fucking, I don't fucking care. The Reagan administration didn't fucking care about AIDS. They didn't give two shits that the gay people were fucking dying. All this shit. So many people died way more than, than what we've experienced in the past two or three years. And he never fucking uttered the word AIDS not once in his fucking campaign for eight years. It's this idea in this country. If you're a, if you're a gay man, if you're Asian, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, you're a fucking Jew, you're a Muslim. Well, guess what? Go fuck yourself. You're not welcome. And you may say to me, well, we have it better these days. Well, honey, we have it better these days in some places in this country, not in every single place. The story of Harvey Milk's death and the fact that this man was murdered and the way he was fucking treated after he died by our system, not by the people. The people treated him like fucking the way he deserved to be treated. But the way our jurisdiction system treated a man that slaughtered two people in cold blood and they're like it's manslaughter what the fuck is wrong with you you know i would love if any of those motherfuckers out the cocker pieces of shit that were in that jury from from that trial i want to talk to them i want to have well, a conversation they, they said There's, that at that time if you were a gay man or woman you were turned away from being on the jury if you were a minority you were not on the jury so how many people were going to care about the gay the gay guy that cared about the minorities right exactly like the the black person that gets thrown in prison for 36 years because he had one ounce of weed yeah but it's like there was nobody on the jury that identified with milk more than they identified with Danny. It's not just about milk. See, it's a problem also, like I'm trying to point out is here, is this blindness of mushing crap together, okay? You have a city official, a man that represented, do you know what they do to somebody that murders an official? They get the death sentence. Well, also, I mean, like, isn't it worse for you if you murder somebody, just anybody? Wouldn't it be worse than four to five years? Like, that's crazy. Like, well, it depends I, what kind of murder. But if you murder, I, I know this, if you murder official, like an official government official, like Mayor Moscone, uh, 
you everybody that's the thing is if when we heard this in the documentary everyone didn't think it would turn out that way because they knew no way this guy this guy's gonna get the death sentence i mean he murdered the mayor everybody thought that he'd get the death sentence for murdering the mayor and they all think that the reason that he didn't was you know because because harvey milk was gay but I it's the jury. I mean, they just like I saw the lawyers talk. They just like twisted everything and made it sound like like he didn't plan on killing them. Oh, he planned know? on killing them. Oh, please. He had to have, you know, but they they just twist everything up so much. Of course they do. Um, that's, what, that's what they do best, honey. That's their job. It's a wild story. I I feel but, bad for Harvey. But you know. what came after? What came after was the White well, Nine riots. Well, at first they said that, you know, people came down to the building where it happened and everybody was really quiet. And there was like a like a candlelit march type thing, so, you know, no, when that he happened, first died. That happened. Yeah, yeah, that happened when he first died. When he first died, they did like this huge candlelight march and they, you know, that was really, really, you know, everybody was quiet and peaceful and they were honoring him. But then later on, it it felt like because before, you know, you it was it was really upsetting that this had happened to him. But now it really felt like the city. Like it wasn't theirs anymore, like, you know, and when the, to see how the city responded to the murder of Harvey Milk and George, it was just like, man, people just were fucking outraged. Like they couldn't hold it in anymore. I mean, I they, were, they were burning down like cop cars. Like I saw like ten cop cars on fire. It was way. It was. It was way. It was way more than that. It was way more than ten cop cars. It was a lot. They I don't destroyed. Kind of like seeing a cop they, car on fire. They destroyed. The thing about it was though, Harvey. <laughs> Harvey was kind of like the father for the community because whenever they were angry, you know, about Anita Bryant and what she was doing and when there were protests um, against the gay community, he wanted to create a, a protest where it didn't destroy businesses because destroying businesses mean that more money has to be poured to fix what's been broken. So he would have marches where people would start, you know, uh, walking down and go to city hall and he would talk to them. But when he died, they didn't have their leader. And um, actually, it's kind of funny. I, I actually learned a lot about this from uh, No Dogs in Space. It's an awesome podcast from The Last Network. I'm going to give them a shout out. And they did an ep- they did a whole series on the Dead Kennedys. And he talked. they talked a lot about this because his band was in San Francisco. When Harvey Milk died and George Marscone died, the city of San Francisco we know now was born. And I mean that literally. That's that's what happened. The, the city of San Francisco that they knew and loved died in November of 1978. And they had every right to be angry. The person that represented them was killed by a homophobic piece of shit that went to prison for five years and 
they were broken. And they were angry. And either, you know the crazy thing about that riot? First was one of the largest riots. Uh, you know, gay riots we know of in history. And no one was arrested the next day. The cops didn't... You can hear in video footage, the cops didn't want to touch the gays. They knew their pain, and they knew you, they knew what the community was feeling. And they didn't... They backed off. You know, they pushed, but they backed off. Now, they said that they would arrest them, you know, just like didn't. any other time, but they didn't... Yeah. They didn't. They never... They didn't arrest... It's crazy. They never... They did not arrest not one person. No one was arrested. They're breaking windows and throwing bricks and all kinds of shit, burning up cars. Yeah. It reminds me of that night at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement when... You know, they fucking like burnt down the police station in Minnesota. And it was just like, okay. Like, and and the they were just like, it's yours. <laughs> like, you take it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I you know what? Like relating to today's times, it it, it is kind of like what happened with George Floyd. It's where that world died that day happened. Again. And the days like Harvey Milk and George Muscone happen countless times. And it's, again, we're, we're not glorifying these people. These people are not fucking gods. It's what they started. You have to understand this. The whole story about Harvey Milk is not just about Harvey Milk. It's the story of the community that revolved around him. And the stories that happened around him. And to people that were in this community that experienced this man for five or six years to now know that he's gone and they no longer have him. It, it, it ended, it ended something that could have been beautiful, a part of history. We, we never, we'll never see that because as San Francisco died, which is crazy. Well, that, that like abandonment, like, when I heard people talking about what it was like to, you know, like lose that leader, it kind of reminded me of what it was like, like when Donald Trump got elected. Now, oh, I have a God. lot of different feelings about it, but like, I remember as a woman, because they had just released all that stuff about, you know, grab her by the pussy. Mm -hmm. I remember as a woman, I was tape. like scared. Like, I felt this kind of, like, fear, and I know that a lot of the, like, homosexual, like, community felt that way, too. Like, this, like, fear of, like, well, what's going to happen to us now? And I have seen this happen many different times in history where you have somebody who you feel, like, kind of stands up for you, and then it becomes very obvious that like the no one stands up for you and it, it gets really scary people lash out with anger and you know their fear turns into aggression i i think it's so important that the lesson that we can learn from harvey is anybody could be harvey you know, think about his story. I mean, again, not to criticize, 
but he was a you know just an average white liberal Jew. That's what he was. But he was he had a goal in mind. He wanted to do this, and he did it, and he made it he made it a reality. And this happened with a lot of activists, not only for the gay community, but for many other communities. It just started with, I have a dream. Let's make that reality. And I think it's so important today because we have more ability now than Harvey Milk and the community had back then. We have the fucking internet. So we can do whatever the fucking shit we want and we can state our opinions and not be shut up. And just like Twix. It's meowing in the background. Um, you wanna you wanna wrap it up? I like Twix meowing in the background. Yeah, well, a little producer's telling us that it's the time has come. Uh, our producer's like wrap it up end it out <laughs> yeah David's like you you end it this time um I feel like with Harvey Milk I was really really impressed um I loved how fearless he was I loved how fearless he was gosh to me that's a man <laughs> Like, I was just like, wow, you know, like, he just did what he believed in. I mean, he saw this opportunity to push this guy out that was in his way, you know, and he took it and he got shot for it. And to me, that's just like, that's so Harvey Milk. Like, he would die doing this thing that he thought was the right thing to do for the city because he believed in it i mean i can't help but think that you know they both got killed trying to make changes um just like that yeah it's unfortunate It is sad. It's it's hard to take it in. You know, like I said, I just learned everything about him and everything that he did for the community. And and then to find out, you know, everything that happened to him and then how the government reacted or whoever, the judicial system, uh, with, you know, only giving the guy five years. I mean, did we even say that when the dude got out of prison, he committed suicide? Good. Like, well, it the was world just, banks him. I mean, to me, it's just like, you you couldn't have just committed suicide first like you know the other thing i want to say is like i find it really disappointing that i didn't know who harvey milk was before we we talked about this you know like before i researched it with you like well, there's a lot of it's the same thing with um the same thing with the drag com- it's the same thing with drag community same thing with the ballroom community it's the same thing with a lot of early gay activists there have been, especially even earlier activists during, you know, the segregation era and, and during uh, Jim Crow and um, during the, you know, um, the Asian Pacific wave, which was during the late 40s and 50s. And a lot of these people have been kind of forgotten in history books, but we don't realize a lot of things that we, we take for granted now only exist because they were alive. 
And it's just crazy to think that people would get fired and and not be hired uh, for for their sexual preferences. I mean, people need to work. They need to make money. People need money to survive and live. Like, I to me, this I I know that it happens, but I always I can't imagine it happening on a mass level. You know, like. It's just yeah. awful. I, and I, yeah, there's so much to be said about the pain that, you know, people experience um, with, with having to live under those confinements. And I'm really happy that, you know, that doesn't happen as much anymore, as much, you know? Um, And we'll leave all with this. And this was something that Anne um, that Ann said that, uh, that Harvey Milk, he said, if a bullet should shatter through my skull, make sure it shatters all the closets. And, um, believe it or not, actually, I found this out today. There is an organization, they're called the Harvey, Mal- uh, the Harvey Milk Foundation. Uh, they work on helping communities and support the locals. Um, and continue uh, the mission of Harvey Milk. So uh, I'm going to leave a link in the podcast description. They are on Instagram, so it's Harvey Milk Foundation. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, it's incredible that Very somebody cool. like this, mm-hmm. his, his legend is, and his work is still being continued. Um, with that, uh, I, I'm two hours in. Yeah, and- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Uh-